Hi everyone, I'm Mike Goldsworthy. And I'm Blake Ryan, and we want to welcome you to the Tomorrowland Church Podcast. We created this podcast to explore innovative ways transformational leaders are leading and reimagining the church for tomorrow. With that said, let's start the show. Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to the Tomorrowland Church Podcast. It is good to have you with us. And Blake, Blake, it is a new year. It's 2021. How are you feeling about getting 2020 behind us? Feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. I, I, um, There's an image that comes to mind when I think of 2020. Um, and it's actually an ornament that I purchased for my tree. And that was, it's a dumpster fire. And it, it literally lights up. So that's that's how I've kind of seen 2020. I almost bought the exact same ornament. I actually had bought it and then I canceled it because we had already bought a bunch of new ornaments this year. But then somebody gave me the shirt with the same thing. 2020 dumpster fire. Classic, man. That's a good it's a good metaphor. Um, well, while this like we're just a little bit past the new years, but this is our first episode of this new year. And so I'm curious for you, like, like, I don't know, do you do a new year's resolution? Are you on the, uh, the hip, like mom train of moms in their thirties and forties who choose a word for the year? Like, do you not care about those things? What what do you do? Yeah, I've never seen a mom train, so I'm not sure what that (laughs) looks like. Um, so (laughs) just, I gotta admit that that probably just shows you how disconnected I am, uh, from the world. Um, but (laughs) I would say, you know, it's funny last year, you know, my wife, uh, maybe I have seen it, you know, last year, my wife had us to, you know, all of us as a family sit down and do a vision board, which was okay. kind of interesting. And, and I like that. But um, I'm, I'm not the type of person that uh, sets specific dates um, in mind as to when I'm going to do something. I think for me, um, and, and if, you know, on the Enneagram, I'm a, I'm a one, right. Okay. I, I'm, I, I tend to try to be perfectionistic, although I fail at that all the time, but I'm all always trying to improve something uh, about myself. Right. And, and so I would just say for me, because of my wiring, I'm, I'm always trying to figure out how I can be developing, um, and in whatever way, whether it's spiritually Um, whether it's in leadership and leading the business, um, you you know, leading my family, you name it. So I guess I don't wait for new years to, to do that. Um, yeah, it's just regular for you. It's a regular rhythm. Every day is a new year. (laughs) I like that. Um, I'm a little different. I, I actually, I like that there's something for me about the new year that like feels like a good reset. And um, I don't do resolutions. I've never done that. But I do try to take an intentional time of like reflection. And I'll go through like, I'll go through my notebooks for the year. I'll look through all my photos for the year. I'll look through my calendar for the year. And then I've just got a series of questions that I'll like ask myself to kind of reflect on the year. And then I'll use that to frame some things for this next year. Like, what do I want to be true this year? And, uh, And I found like that's been a really helpful process for me. And I'll usually try to get away by myself for a couple of days to do that. Um, Which is yeah. great. I would say we do have an annual tradition. I, I mean, we do lay our sins on the scapegoat and just release it into the street. Um, <laughs> so we do that as a family. <laughs> 
it's uh, and, and for those of you who aren't in California, you might not know that that's just a perfectly normal thing that happens here. <laughs> Drive down to Hollywood, and uh, and you can just pick one up. Uh, Blake, Blake's got a goat guy in Antelope for you, and you will know because it'll be my sins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I think we have exhausted that. So let's let's get ready to shoot on over to our interview. We've got a great guest for you today. Uh, it's Dave Dummett. And Dave is the new senior pastor at Willow Creek Church. And uh, Dave had started this great church, 242 Community Church in Michigan that he was leading. He'll tell you the st- a bit of the story about how he felt called to go to Willow Creek and uh, about the sort of move there. And, and while we're thinking about transitions and we're thinking about a new year and the new things that come with that, Dave is in the process of transitioning a church and beginning new things there and stepping into a role at a church that really has a huge amount of national and international influence. And there's a lot that comes with that. And so I think we're going to get some great things from Dave as we listen in on our interview here. Well, friends, it is good to have you back with us here, and we are excited to have our next guest with us, Dave Dummett, who is the senior pastor at Willow Creek Church out in the Chicagoland area. And um, Dave, thanks so much for making time to be with us today. We appreciate you making time for the Tomorrowland Church podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So, um, so Dave, I was kind of thinking about you as you stepped into this role. Now, how long have you been at Willow now? Uh, it's about eight months now. Okay. So a little less than a year and your entire time has been during the pandemic, right? Yes. We said goodbye to our old church and hello to our new church over Zoom. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> and, and another fun fact is I have not attended a live weekend service at Willow yet. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Well, and so your old church, you started, you started your previous church, right? right. Uh, 242 Community Church. Yep. And um, just a great church, was one of the um, fastest growing churches in America. You guys were doing some really fantastic things. Uh, I'm kind of curious about, as we think about the Tomorrowland Church and we think about futurists in the church, you were at a church where when you start your church, I presume you have a bit more sway over the culture. You have a bit more sway over the direction um, and, and then when you step into a church that's got a bit of a legacy and it's got its own culture and its own heritage, that it's, um, that's a different thing. Why would you, as you're obviously a, a visionary and a futurist, why would you leave something where you had a bit more of that built-in cachet already to somewhere that had a, a direction and a culture that's already established? Sure. Uh, that's a great question. And, um, uh... I, I, you know, I said no twice. It took about a year uh, before I had a first conversation with Willow because I said no two times. Uh, My wife and I had always made those kind of decisions as people would ask, would we be willing to to look into something? We always kind of said, hey, we've got one life to invest um, and we want to we want to invest our life to have the most significant impact for the kingdom as we possibly can, which doesn't necessarily mean numbers. Um, but you know, significant and at 242 things were up and to the right and, 
momentum and a healthy team. And I mean, we just, it was easy to say no to Willow uh, those couple of times. Um, I, 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 I didn't even, you know, I didn't really, didn't even keep me up at night. We just kind of said no, moved on. And, and, uh, but uh, about that third time, uh, year in, uh, my wife said, Hey, uh, maybe the reason we keep saying no is the very reason that God keeps having these guys call us is because we've got a healthy church and maybe God wants to have 242 continue to, to grow, to continue to be healthy, to make an impact. And then God maybe wants to use you in the story of Willow, uh, to help it grow. Now God's got two growing churches. Certainly I'm not you know, uh, the only person that could come in and, and lead Willow. But that was the way that um, that conversation went. I don't know if you know this, but the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like my wife's voice. <laughs> and so that, that's how that happened. And, and it really, that's, that's why we had one conversation. And then once you meet the people, once we met them, uh, we started having, it, you just fall in love with the people here. Yeah, so. uh, that's really great. Um, I love the responsiveness that you have in that and um, and even it not being like, I guess you could say a calculating thing of I, I would have more influence if I went over here, I could reach X, Y and Z, but that it really was a stirring of the spirit to do this new and different thing that maybe um, needed your voice in the season. Um, so I'm curious, though, like it have you experienced and of course, your leadership, like we said, has all been during the covid pandemic. But have you experienced differences in what it's like to lead a church that had an established like um, vision already, had an established culture already, had an established direction? And is it is that been different? And how do you decide like, well, here's the things I'm, I'm new stepping in here. Here's the things that we're going to hold on to. And here's the things that we need to let go of to move into this next direction for us. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know. Uh, I will tell you not one of, I mean, it wasn't definitely, it definitely wasn't a deciding factor, but one of the things I thought about uh, when coming here was just how I would have to develop as a leader um, in this circumstance. Uh, I had never turned anything around. I had never, you know, followed someone and, and come into, I'd always started things. I started young adult ministry. I started 242. And that's just what what I'd done. And so to come here, it was a completely different animal. Um, I would say the way that we've tried to discern uh, what to hold on to and what to let go of. Number one, I think to have a confidence that God, if God's doing this, he's bringing my story and Willow's story together. And so what that means is, I'm not coming here to turn Willow into 242, right? It's not all about my story. And I'm not coming here just to fall into the footsteps of or to try and make it Willow, make Willow great again. Oh, that's a load. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to do that because there's really an emerging new story, right? Of this raging river that is Willow Creek. And then this, you know, me, this little, little canoe or something that comes in. But at the same time, like we become, we both become influences on an emerging new story. And so if I have the confidence that God is doing that, 
then I come not just to, 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 to bring mine, but also to listen. And listening has been the key. You ask, how do we figure it out? We have been listening, listening, listening. The first month I was here, uh, I believe it was 38 hours of listening conversations where we tried to, we, we went with staff, uh, key volunteers, donors. We tried to slice up the demographics of Willow any way we could and listen. Tell me the story of Willow. Tell me the struggles. Tell me the strengths of Willow. And my favorite question was, hey, um, if tonight you get a knock on the door and the elders uh, of Willow, uh, you know, you open the door and it's the elders of Willow and they say, hey, we've got good news and bad news. The bad news is Dummett is out. He lasted three weeks. Uh, the good news is you are now the senior pastor of Willow Creek Community Church and you and you kind of don't, you're kind of speechless. The elders leave and now you've got a notepad and a Bible. What would you do moving forward? And that question, I just got to hear from people what they thought was important. What are some of the values that, you know, we definitely want to make sure to, to hold on to? And where are some of the places that, that we may want to begin to innovate and change? Hmm. Dave, what are, what are some of the rhythms that you put in place that help you to move towards a vision, uh, an aspirational vision? Sure. Um, well, um, I, I, I said listening. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down on that because, you know, once we took uh, all of our notes from those listening uh, conversations, we spun them together into about 11 vision statements. And then we we sort of did a reflective listening exercise where we came back to different groups of people and said, this is what we think we heard you say, along with what we feel like God has brought us here to do. Here's 11 vision statements. Give me your reaction to this. Um, I have a feeling we're going to be doing that regularly for the rest of my time here. Does that make sense? Like I want to continue to be, you know, keeping a pulse on, um, where the church is, where people think. I think the clues to tomorrow are in the present and in the in the past, right? So I want to hear the story, but I also want to, like, every year I want to say, hey, what's God doing? You know, what's the most innovative thing? You know, where where is God having you dream uh, kids ministry? Because that could be a clue uh, to where God's taken us all as a church. So I think listening is, listening to other churches um, benchmarking is uh, is a big part of, of what we're doing. Hey, if it works in 99% of other churches, it, it's almost a, a it's probably going to work here, you know, and so we're trying to listen to those things. Um, I, I really, you know, one thing, I, I got to be at 242 for 15 years, and as I was leaving, um, not to sound like the old guy, but I just couldn't believe how many people we had on staff that were in middle school and high school when I started the church. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't want to sound like the old guy, but how quickly time flies. And I realized that, you know, I'm, I'm Gen X. Willow is kind of the, the quintessential boomer church You built on so many of those, you know, and it did such a, such a great job at that. But I don't need to build a Gen X church. I need to be thinking about Gen Z. I mean, 
I need to be building the church for that generation. What, whatever we do now, that generation is going to be inheriting. So honestly, we're listening. We're listening to young leaders. I, I did a like my first sort of mentoring group here was I want to get as many of the Gen Z, not just millennials, but Gen Z leaders that we have on staff. And I want to get a relationship with them going. You tell me where you think the church is going. So, Dave, as you talk about these listening sessions, I'm wondering, is, is that something that is constantly uh, implemented throughout the year? Are there certain seasons or rhythms that you uh, gather uh, the team specifically to focus on on vision? And uh, you, you mentioned, again, these listening sessions. Um, what, what kind of regular practice have you set up uh, for the listening sessions? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that... Um, you know, not just spending time with younger leaders, but uh, honestly, plugging in, you talk about rhythms, plugging in times of the year that I am networking with other leaders. I'm trying to find innovative leaders to learn from, um, trying to learn, you know, what what's going well, what's not going well, um, building rhythms into my calendar that create space for just thinking, Um you know, I, I'll, I'll tell this story once in a while. I was, a, I mean, I was a, I grew up a church kid and, uh, I survived it. And, uh, but I, I walked into our youth pastor, uh, one time and as a, you know, a sophomore in high school, I was pretty sophomoric and, uh, and he was looking out the window and I said, working hard. And he just looked at me with this steely eyed confidence. And he goes, actually, yes, I'm working very hard. Yeah. And I'll never forget that. Like, you know, that is part of a leader's job is, is to, you know, to sit there and ponder and, and think a little bit and then get things, get things moving. Dave, as, as we know, you know, the reality is that transition brings chaos. Yeah. Is there something that you do personally in order to find ways to take time out and think, to, to, to build in some distance uh, between you and the situation in order to, to, to gain some perspective? You definitely have to block for it, for sure. And you know, I think the other thing that, that I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm trying to listen to innovators and leaders outside of church world, too. Um, you know, I, I, I look at, you know, everyone's trying to figure out what's the church look like post-COVID. And, you know, I can't remember, I can't remember who said this, but, you know, I'm trying to learn from the business world. You've got... Uh, you know, Macy's is probably the retail, you know, brick and mortar retail king. You got Amazon is probably the online retail king. And what I'm hearing from business leaders is, you know, it's the targets in the Walmarts of the world that are best positioned going forward because they've got brick and mortar figured out and they've got online figured out. And honestly, they don't care. They're, they're, uh, agnostic in which how you interact with them. They just want to sell you, you know, some, some retail. And I'm thinking the church can learn from that. Like rather, you know, we're having conversations around here all the time, like on our, with our online engagement, our digital engagement, are we trying to get people to come to one of our local, you know, uh, and are we trying to make sure that people show up uh, every weekend or are we pointing them to, and it's like, yeah, you know, the, the, it seems like our business people are telling us going forward, the people that are best positioned are those that are taking a two-pronged approach. So whether that's right or not, the point is I'm trying to listen to great thinkers inside the church and outside the church. 
Yeah, that reminds me um, of the book. Maybe it was big like 15 years ago, Starfish and the Spider. Yeah. Did you guys read that book where kind of the idea was there was a spider organization that has a strong head and a starfish organization is decentralized. And it was their argument was the, the organizations of the future will be a hybrid of the best of centralized, the best of decentralized. Yes. Yes. I love that book. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I'm, I'm curious, Dave, when you're talking about doing like listening stuff with some younger leaders, I'm curious if there's anything that has like come up that kind of like caught you off guard that you, that thought like, oh, that's a really interesting idea that I would love to lean into or understand better. Is there something that you're learning from Gen Z that would be, um, helpful for us to just like ponder a bit? Um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, it's it's embarrassing to admit it, but I immediately just started thinking of, I'm like five, 10 years behind, right? I'm thinking digital engagement is about an online campus. Sure. And, you know, our guys are like, uh, and gals are, are saying, oh, Dave, you know, that that's so five years ago. Um, you know, digital engagement, they're imagining discipleship happening digitally they're they're imagining evangelism happening digitally serving happening digitally so you know that was one where definitely opening my eyes to the possibilities um yeah. some of the uh you know some of the 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 onboarding for like corporations are using salesforce different you know they're they're doing things to train their folks and onboard their folks that that we could take some of that technology and, and incorporate it in the church. And I'm like, I don't even know those things existed. So, you know, it's definitely opening my eyes. For sure. No, that's good. Um, so I know at your previous church um, that you had done things with your buildings where yeah. you had seen your buildings as not just the idea of like, this is a campus where we show up and we have church, but like, this is a campus that's here to serve the community. Yeah. And so we want to utilize it as a community center as like, what are the needs of the community? And um, if I understand right, that's some of how you're thinking about some of the shifts that you see taking place at Willow. Um, yeah. Is that fair and accurate? Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, um, we don't want to just rubber stamp what we did before and imagine it's right. going to work the same way. Um, but uh you know, we feel like we stumbled into something a little bit. Uh, we were a church. I mean, we were uh, at that point a one campus, I think, uh, about 1,100 people. We were one of the largest churches in our little town. It was just a little town. And uh, I had people outside the church wanting, us, wanting to lend us money so we could get a real building, so we could be a real church. And <laughs> All I could think about, you know, I'd ask him, well, how much is it, how much would a building cost? And they'd say, well, it's, you know, about $10 million to get a building for your church, your size, whatever. And I just kept thinking, really? To, to, to show up for like two hours on a weekend? It just feels like, and it's just going to sit empty the rest of the time. It just made no sense from a stewardship standpoint. It's just really hard for me to wrap my mind around that. And then one day we were, I was driving past an old, uh, tennis and racquetball facility and it just had been sitting empty. And I thought, huh, you know, like, what if we reinvigorated this thing? What, what if we, you know, uh, made a community center? So we, we bought the building. I put a, we put a sign out front that said coming soon, you decide. 
Okay. Uh, which uh, we invited our community to send in ideas for what they wanted in their community center. And it ended up, you know, the vision that we cast our, our church was we wanted to give the greatest gift, the biggest gift we've ever given uh, to our community. And so we gave them our building and we let them decide what was going to be in it. And basically, yeah, there was, uh, you know, kind of three things surrounding, I, I think community surrounds, uh, forms around three things a lot. One is food. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so we had a restaurant in there. One is sports. So kids are playing sports, they're, they're having basketball practice, whatever. And then the other is the arts. And so we had a school for the arts and we had a CrossFit gym and we had an indoor soccer field and a playscape and a restaurant and all this kind of stuff. And we just stumbled into, I mean, we, we grew, I mean, the last eight years I was there, we were in the, the top 100 fastest growing churches. And I would say that making the decision about those community centers that we ended up building was one of the big reasons why we saw a lot of people. Uh, I think two things happened. One was that, um, you know, people from our community, when a crisis rolled around in their life, uh, you know, or Easter, one of the two, uh, they'd look at one another and say, hey, we ought to try a church. And they've probably already been in our building for a music lesson or soccer practice or whatever. So we ended up being the first church that people would try out. Um, or they'd come in the building and they'd see, you know, what is this place? And, oh, it's a church. Oh, we'll check it out. But I think the second thing that happened was all the people from our church, as soon as you walk in that building, we're our building set the culture for what our church was going to be about. Sure. And that, that really did help us constantly be an externally, I, I think, pretty great, an externally focused church, which was great. And if you want to talk about, you know, something that I think probably has some legs for another generation is, I mean, the stewardship of that whole move and the community focus, the young family focus. Um, I mean, it was a, we didn't try to reach millennials, but we sure did. Yeah, we really did. So. Yeah, the story really, uh, really resonates, and it's interesting you bring that up because it's something that churches are are asking us as Plain Joe to think about, um, that idea of trying to um, increase, if you will, the return on investment, you know, instead of just a place that people would come to one day a week, how, how are we really trying to leverage the assets that God has given us uh, to, to provide for the needs of the greater community? And I think, you know, Jim Putman is another great example um, at real life ministries and some of the, the the fields and the you know the courts kind of that's those sports opportunities uh, to be an anchor in that community. Yeah, and and then you know in regards to Willow, I'll, I'll use this South Barrington campus, almost a million square feet under roof. You guys, um, wow! So this is a this is a big deal. It's got uh, you know we have a seventy five hundred seat auditorium. And then right across the way, another auditorium of about 3,000. So, I mean, it, it is a massive building. Uh, the campus is just beautiful. It is, you know, it's quintessential uh, for this area. Definitely a boomer kind of mindset where it's like it's corporate, it's successful, it's excellent. It is, you know, this this would be an amazing um, sort of office park or like campus of you know, like Google would love, you know, this would be an amazing. Um, in fact, 
But but here's the thing. For the for a millennial who maybe is not familiar with church or that sort of thing, it, it's actually, if you've been here, it can be a little bit foreboding. I mean, mm-hmm. we literally have a, outside my office here, there's a moat. <laughs> a big, a big, a big uh, it's like a castle, Fort God out here. And uh, so we want to, we want to do what we can to, to try and warm it up a little bit um, and begin to see some foot traffic in here throughout the week. Obviously post COVID, I mean, one of the, 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 this building was built for a big church, but also big conferences. Yeah. Uh, and we want to see it be utilized. Um, you know, we've got the square footage. So how can we begin to use that in a way that can really serve the needs of this community? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, so I know also that you have cared a lot about church planting, being a church planter yourself. Yeah, and um, and you are obviously involved with um, uh, the New Thing Network and church planting through that. Yeah, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on because um, we're kind of in this moment where we're seeing the proliferation of large churches, more and more mega churches than we've ever seen before, and at the same time there is this kind of like heartbeat of church planting that is almost paralleling that. I'm kind of curious what you see as the future of church planting. Where is that all headed? Is it multi-site? Is it independent churches? Where where are things going? Yeah. So um, I believe that everything ought to multiply. You know, everything good ought to multiply. It used to be in church growth, if something's healthy, it will grow. And I would say if something's healthy, it ought to multiply. Yeah. Um, and so what I would say is, man, if you're a church leader and you... Uh, your, uh, let's say your leadership lid, uh, whether it's preaching or leadership or whatever it is, but God uses you to plant or grow or whatever, a church of 300. Can we just celebrate that? I mean, that is an amazing deal, but don't let that be your lid. I mean, one of the things we love with new thing and what I see in church planting is let's network churches together and help them plant churches together. So you, you, it used to be only the big churches who could afford either financially or could afford with the number of people and leaders that they have, only they could have a daughter church. Mm-hmm. You know, they could afford that. Um, but now, wow, we've got this great opportunity where a church of 50, a church of 200, a church of 2,000, a church of whatever can grab you know, relationship together and then plant a church together. So I love that. Um, now, when you have leaders um, that, uh, that for whatever reason, um, uh, God comes in and blesses and, you know, builds and you end up having, you know, a church of 2,000, 8,000, uh, you know, what I would say is that I think what we've learned in the last 10, 15 years is that multi-site becomes a great way to multiply that influence. Um, just, a, just a wonderful way to multiply that influence. But what I would challenge uh, senior pastors to begin to think about, especially if the mega churches, is are there ways that we can be open-handed with our campuses and with our leadership and with our influence so that, um, you know, one way that I can transition out of 242 or transition out of Willow is to find my replacement, right? Yeah. 
And, and in some ways, uh, that's, a, that's a more simple uh, transition, but in, because it's just one person, you just got to find one person and just kind of stick them in. Um, but what I have found with a lot of, I've been in a, a lot of rooms of boards that were working on trying to find, you know, succession issues. And um, it's tough, you know, sometimes to find that next leader that's going to take the church from, you know, 18,000 to 38,000, you know, whatever yeah. it is, it's tough to find that person. So I think normalizing the idea that it's okay for a senior pastor uh, to say, hey, I'm going to raise up teachers, I'm going to raise up leaders, and maybe our campusing becomes a way that we can become open-handed and see us multiply uh, the church in that way. Uh, you know, at 242, that was something that we were talking and being very intentional about, uh, where, you know, we really had de- kind of detailed plans about how we would then do that so that, you know, I could stand back and go, wow, all I've ever done is plant churches. You know, I, all I've ever done is plant churches, even with 242, all of our campuses becoming churches. Now, will that be the direction that the next leader takes? I don't know. Uh, will that necessarily be the, the direction that Willow will take going forward? Uh, yes. No, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Um, but anyway, I think that's one way that both church planting and mega uh, can exist together. That's good. Dave, when you think about the church and you think about the future of the church, what is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that you find yourself thinking a lot about? Oh, it's good. Um, uh, well, if you're talking about Willow specifically, I would say the rate at which we've had to make change, uh, keeps me up at night. Um, you know, uh, just the COVID reality and coming in after two, three years of great challenge, you know, the scandal that was here and the, the fallout of that really uh, put us in a place where, you know, I would normally have come in and any change, you know, first you come in, you build trust, like make friends first, then make change, you know, don't go the other way around and you won't have too many friends. And, uh, and yet when we got here, uh, just the realities, uh, our, our financial realities and COVID, uh, it just became evident pretty quickly that we're going to have to make change a lot more quickly than we would normally, uh, you know, do. And so I think that keeps me up at night, um, knowing that we've had to lay off uh, staff and knowing that there's, you know, reorg that happened and just how quickly that was. And, and the style of leadership, you know, uh, I'm a fairly, col- I'm a pretty collaborative leader. And yet crisis leadership is not usually where collaboration is happening. You know, it's like when the, when the plane is on fire, you don't, you know, create a bunch of, uh, you know, focus groups and get together. What do you think we ought to do? It's like somebody needs to get up there and start flying the plane. So that's been like a real stretch for me. Um, but that, that kind of keeps me up at night because I know how I have appeared to our staff. Hmm. As this sort of, and they've come in. I mean, that was one of the issues with previous leadership that is this sort of top-down, you know, abuse of power, those kinds of things. And so, those kinds of things weigh heavy on me. Praying about that uh, for sure. Um, I think what I would say is this: um, for the church, if you're asking kind of a bigger question, I, I think that 
I think that one of the things that, that we're seeing that, that is really troubling to me is the church getting caught up in an unhealthy way um, in a lot of the politics of our day and a lot of the issues that, and in, you know, in some ways, I think that, you know, definitely the church needs to be um, asking questions about social justice and asking questions about politics. Like, I'm, I'm not saying we need to just, you know, become monks. We need to be involved in communities and, and have an intelligent dialogue. Um, but there's a lot of fires out there, you guys. There's a lot of fires in our country right now. And, you know, I'm just telling our staff, um, you know, firefighters, uh, you know, there, there's a portion of a firefighter's job where they're putting out, you know, fires at a house or they're, they're you know, taking an old storage shed and they're trying to put out the fire to save that. But, but uh, and there's another portion of a firefighter's job where they're saving lives. And I don't know of any firefighter that gets in the, you know, signs up for the job because they want to, you know, uh, make sure that uh, we don't lose the tool shed. Like we're in this to save lives. And I, for me, the church in our country right now, I feel like we really need to get about realize, you know, I mean, put out the fires, engage uh, in an intelligent way, but doggone it, man, we got to, we got to tell people about Jesus. So that, that does keep me up at night. Yeah. I mean, that it's real apparent from um, the couple of messages that I've listened to you give that that's definitely your heartbeat and that that's something that drives you. Dave, um, I'm so grateful that you would make time for us today. I mean, I know that you've got a lot going on. And as you're saying, like some of the things that are keeping you up at night with all that you have happening and need to manage uh, at Willow in this season, we're just so grateful that you'd make time to be with us on the Tomorrowland Church podcast. Thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Love the mission you guys are on. Love the way you guys are stirring up new, innovative thinking and uh, just appreciate you guys and what you're doing. Thanks, Thanks man. Uh, well, Blake, I really appreciated our time with Dave here. He, um, he was really gracious to make time for us and he's taken on such a significant role they're leading at Willow Creek. And, you know, I appreciated, this was my first time with him and he had just such like an open-handedness, a generosity of spirit and a humility about him. Uh, and, and that seemed really significant for somebody who's stepping into such a prominent role. Yeah. And I, I, I totally agree with you. And, and one of the things, one of the many things that stick out in my mind um, that I think leans into that humility, that posture of humility is his desire to listen. And, uh, you know, when he come, when he came into the organization, it wasn't somebody coming in with all the answers. It was somebody who was coming in with a lot of questions. And, and I think that's so important for us to remember, um, as, as we lead, um, other people. And, and it wasn't just listening to his congregates, it's listening to younger leaders. It's trying to figure out what's coming next. Mm -hmm. And 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 you're right, it's just a, a posture of humility, one of learning, and then just being able to implement those learnings within his organization. Um, I, you know, of, of all the opportunities to interview leaders, I don't know that I've I've interviewed somebody that talked about listening as much as he did. Um but I think it's it's definitely been a key ingredient to his success thus far and the continued success that, that I think we're going to see. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually, so I wrote down this quote that he said, and I thought it was really significant, particularly in thinking about um, you and I as, as future oriented leaders and thinking about so many of you who are listening to this podcast, the Tomorrowland Church podcast, like you, you have a bit of futurist in you. And, and he said this, he said, the clues to tomorrow are in the present and in the past. And I was just thinking about how easy it is to get caught up in thinking about just the next thing and trying to figure that thing out. And that the way that you figure that thing out is by paying attention to the present, by paying attention to your surroundings, by paying attention to what's going on right now, but also by understanding your past, by understanding like every organization, every church, it has a context and a history. It didn't just like appear out of nothing. And so leaders aren't people like going up on the mountaintop to hear a word from God and coming down as if the situation that they're going into is some like blank whiteboard. It's not a blank whiteboard, right? Like, and, and we have a way that we talk about that to, to try and understand that at Plain Joe, right? Like, yeah, it's that, that idea that um, every church has a unique personality, you know, and it's, it's greater than just the personality of its senior leader or even leadership team. And it's something that has been established for some time. And this is, uh, you know, just a picture uh, in history that we're being able to look at that personality. And so that's very much, you know, goes along with what you're saying is that just because there's new leadership doesn't necessarily avoid, you know, void um, however many years that that church has been in existence. It's just an addition to um, as it continues on. No, that's really good. Yeah, we can't move forward without understanding the past and without being engaged in the present, like the lot. Um, well, friends, we're so glad that you would join us again and give up your time to be with us here on the Tomorrowland Church podcast, where we are trying to explore innovative ways that transformational leaders are leading and reimagining the church for tomorrow. The Tomorrowland Church podcast is produced by Caleb Henry. You can get a hold of Caleb at caleb.m.henry97 at gmail.com. The music is written and produced by Scott Moore, who you can reach at one more Scott, O-N-E-M-O-O-R-E Scott at gmail.com. If you want to talk to Blake, it is Blake at plainjoestudios.com. And if you have complaints, you can direct them to Mike G at plainjoestudios.com. We look forward to connecting with you next time here on the Tomorrowland Church Podcast. <laughs>